Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple podcast. My name is James Johnson and I'm here with my co-host... Nick Houston, and we're not dead. <laughs> we're not. Here we are. Here we we're, are. We're back in the game. It's been uh, a minute since we've been, recorded a podcast. It's just been a minute, yeah, because we had a bunch of them in the in the can. Is that is that the lingo you use when, uh, you, when you record them and you stick them in the can and then you put them out? Yeah, we had them in the deck. I don't know. I don't know what the term is. Well, we have a special guest with us today, Dr. Bill Birch. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me back. Absolutely. It's always a thrill to have you on the podcast. And, uh Woo! I think the people I think the people enjoy hearing your voice and and uh, I I want to start today by we we kicked off yesterday uh, got back in the building for the first time been fully functional in almost like eighteen months I think is what you mm-hmm. said yesterday uh, it was an amazing Sunday but I want to start our conversation today by talking about you going to see Hamilton and uh, I I'm first of all I'm jealous because Hamilton is maybe one of my favorite things on the planet. You can look behind you. We have a poster of the Hamilton the Gospel that we did. Um, but uh, talk to me about your Hamilton experience. Did you go to the is it the Fox? Is that where it was? It was at the Fox. So Tracy and I went a couple of weeks ago. I had no preconceptions. You uh, hadn't heard any of the music or anything. heard none of the music. I had to look on Wikipedia for the plot. <laughs> I was a history major in college. and Are you familiar with the American Revolution? I I have heard of it and was amazed at what a fresh take it was on American history. Most of it very accurate. Yeah. And such a dense production, so many songs, so much material. It was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? I mean, did you really? Absolutely. I did. Okay. Uh, There were several folks on staff there going, hmm, hip hop and (laughs) rap and Bill Birch. Yeah, that's going to go real well. I know. I heard Ruth uh, talking to Jeff before. That's how I found out you went. uh, And Ruth was trying to get your tickets from you, I think. (laughs) Yes. She was scheming away. She's like, you're not going to like that. But it was a great production. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Awesome. Awesome. I'm very jealous. I really wanted to go. Uh, I haven't had an opportunity to see it live, but. I stayed up till 3 a.m. when they released it on July 3rd last year so I could watch it because that's, that's what time when it came out. When it came, came out, out on Disney+. Plus. Uh-huh, when it came out on Disney+. Plus. I stayed up till 3 a.m. because it released at midnight on the West Coast, mm-hmm. and I watched the whole thing. And uh, I have amazing. heard the entire soundtrack multiple times. Never seen the show. you never seen it? No, but my kids love the music, Yeah. so yeah. it just gets played all the time. There's part of me. So I, I, uh, I avoided it for so long because it was so popular. And I was just like, all right, you know. And plus, Lynn Manuel Miranda is exactly my age. He was born like a month before me. And this guy's got like a Tony and an Oscar and an Emmy and all these things. So, you know, just out of spite, really. Uh, right. Real Christian, real Christian there. Am I even trying to? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But uh, I, I avoided it for so long. And then I heard a clip of it or something on YouTube or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's really good. What is this? And then I remember Candace told me, well, that's Hamilton. And I was like, oh, I got to listen. And I sat down and listened to the whole thing through. And I was a little wary to watch the Disney Plus version or you see it live because in my head it's all Muppets, and I, <laughs> and I feel like I feel like that would be an amazing uh, production. But anyway, um, so that's fun. I'm, I'm glad that you went to see. It. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I am. Um, I'm hoping to do that again. I hope to do that. At, at some Bill point. Birch. He doesn't just live at the church. That's, that's right. right. That's right. He goes out on the town. Although I will say, for preachers, all of life is in search of a sermon illustration. <laughs> and. I I was saying before we began the recording that I just got through writing a blog for this week comparing Hamilton to worship, and it just intrigued me that people made reservations months, if not years, ahead of time 
They showed up hour plus early. Yeah. They wore masks without complaining. Yeah. They lined up. They sat cheek to jowl. And they parked blocks and blocks away and walked to the theater. <laughs> and I was just thinking, if this happened at church, yeah, it's amazing where we put our priorities sometimes. Well, maybe we need to mix a little hip-hop into the sermons or into the, into the worship. I'll try to drop a few verses this coming <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> I can't wait to put Michael Devine on remixing a song. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> I feel like he could do it, too. This is my story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm young and scrappy, just like my nation. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, you said your blog. For those uh, for those out there listening that don't know about your blog, uh, what's the? How can we read your blog? It's on BillBirch.net. Hey, I've got my own website. Hey, how about that? It's on WordPress, and the title of it is Treasure in Jars of Clay. Okay. Right, Excellent. once a week. Usually comes out on Wednesday morning. Excellent. Okay. Cool. 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 So, uh, so let's get back to yesterday then, and and our kickoff, uh, gentlemen. How did you guys feel walking into the building yesterday? It was it was noticeably different. You could feel the spirit, the electricity, like it, it just felt amazing to have so many people in the building. What do you guys think, Nick? You wanna you wanna start? Y'all, I was busy yesterday. <laughs> I was prepping hospitality. And making sure stuff was ready and worship I saw you spaces, in there making coffee. and preparing for Sunday school, and it was just—I was hopping yesterday. I have not had to move from thing to thing to do the next thing like that. But it felt good, right? In a number of Sundays, yeah. No, that's—I would much rather it be that way. Yeah, I feel like really purposeful when I've got a lot of yeah. stuff to do by that. Yeah, and the energy. You know, we had a conversation. Um, a while back about the energy that people bring. Yeah. Um, and you could definitely feel the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. The more, you know, the more Christians you get together, the more spirit you feel, you know, like it's, it's, it's just how humanity works. I think, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, you started your new Sunday school class, WWJD. How'd that go? WWJD. It did. I had, um, five couples, almost six, <laughs> five and five a half. And a half. <laughs> um, which is a great place to start because, you know, I feel like there there are more who are going to come, but they're going to take turns. You know, nobody yeah, likes to yeah, all show absolutely. up at once. Yeah. So I think it'll be a good group. Um, I'm looking forward to continuing and learning more. We're working through Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther as Bill has started a sermon series on Ezra and Nehemiah. So fantastic. Um, I'm I'm pumped. The couple that I met uh, at Toward the Dinger class there, uh, yeah. Samantha and uh, Adam. Adam. Uh, they're former Nazarenes, went to Olivet Nazarene University. I'm not sure we've committed them to being former Nazarenes yet. Yeah, but yeah. They did when, yeah, they. Yeah. I remember that when I moved to Atlanta. I couldn't find a Nazarene church. That's not really. But it was cool. Not an interesting story. And, I mean, I think that's the next step is just to get, um, they were visitors two weeks ago. Okay. And heard we were doing Sunday school and so came back to check it out. Awesome. Um, but just to, as we kind of get some momentum going with Sunday school where, there's a spot for you and you invite other people to join you in that spot. Um, cause we do have a lot of new faces at Northside. I've been pretty fascinated the last several weeks, how many people I don't recognize are coming mm -hmm. through the door. And I would love to see those people get engaged in other ways in addition to worship. Bill, you, uh, you mentioned yesterday in your sermon that you had not really, you probably, there was not a really a Sunday that you'd walked in the door where you hadn't run into somebody who, you know, was just in tears because they were back in the building and back in church. 
Um, how'd you feel about yesterday with all these new people coming, or old people, new people coming back? It was an outstanding Sunday. First time, as you said, in 18 months, we've had on-site Sunday school yeah. for children, youth, and adults. And we geared up three brand new Sunday school programs for adults. We saw a tremendous response. Yeah. And there was a lot of energy and vitality in the room. Yeah. Do we? Uh, does anybody know what the numbers were for how many, how many folks did Catherine have in her class? She had 40. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's almost too many. Yeah, I have not seen the yeah. numbers yet, but whatever it was, it we'll was, add 20% yeah. and round up to the next 100. That's right. That's how we do it around here. <laughs> that, that's called uh, church math. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, we had in, in the chapel, we had uh, probably 15 or, or maybe even 20 bodies in the room, but and then four or five people on Zoom. So um, it was just, it just amazing. It was just felt good to have. Oh, cool. So the hybrid thing worked out. It did, actually. I figured right. out a way to position the the camera and the thing so that it wasn't too it felt like one classroom right mm -hmm. instead of two different classes teaching at the same time um but yeah it was good it was really good and uh it was also the first sunday w that we were back in person for a while but with our new schedule as well how did you how do we feel the new schedule went down with so many people in the building well, we committed to the new schedule last August, and ironically, looking back, that's when we thought we were coming back in person. <laughs> yeah. So 13 months later, here we here are. Here we are. But we consciously chose to create a dedicated Sunday school hour, which came with some angst and uncertainty, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. but it's driven by several factors. Uh, we feel like it's important for our children to be in worship services with their parents, yeah. that we've raised a generation or two of children who have not experienced worship and then we wonder why they drop out of church. Yeah. Secondly, we want two-hour families here at Northside. We want yeah. folks who are involved in Sunday school and worship, or at least worship in a small group during the week. Yeah. And I think that's exciting. And I'm sure we're going to have some growing pains along with it. Yeah. We've got two overlapping services with 8.30 and 9 o'clock right now. So I'm running from one place <laughs> to the other to preach. But overall, I'm very excited about the changes. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, from what I could tell, it, it worked out really well. Um, I, I think the the big question for, uh, I know for Catherine and for for uh, most of us was uh, traffic, you know, and how, how that's going to work out with, uh, particularly in the situation where we're, we're still some of us wearing masks and 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 and, and carrying, you know, and kind of doing the distancing thing. But um, it seemed to me that worked out perfectly well. The other piece I've become convicted about is that we've got a great small group ministry here at Northside that meets throughout the week. But for the most part, it's not couples. Yeah. We do have some of the group disciple yeah. groups that you've started that are, but I look at Northside Bible and that's kind of my model of yeah. we are older adults in their eighties plus who started as a young couples class. Yeah. And we don't have that opportunity right now at Northside. So to be able to find a place where couples and families can stick yeah. and grow together in the same age and stage of life, I think that's essential. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. It's funny because our Genesis class, which also had a great turnout yesterday, started out as one of a class like yours. It started right, off yeah. with like five or six couples mm -hmm. uh, in their young 20s or you know, mid-20s and, and uh, just hadn't even started families yet. And then they grew into... Uh, what they are now, which is uh, a fantastic group of people. And now they've got 
young couples forming their own classes. Right, right, yeah. right. The that that came up actually in conversation with my class um, was how how did the Sunday morning schedule fit into your life? Like the idea of doing Sunday school. Why why are you here? And all of those couples agreed between work and what the kids are doing, I don't have time during the week to do a small group at night or something like yeah. that. So yeah. to be able to get it, have a small group opportunity on Sunday morning as Sunday school, when you're already here for church yeah, was the way to go. Yeah. And that's, right. that's how I felt particularly, you know, I've got four kids and if we got them all up and out the house and somewhere, Dog, we ought to stay for at least two hours and oh, yeah, get the good out of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I do wonder if we need to rebrand the name. I think for younger generations, Sunday school may not be yeah the most apt descriptor of what we're trying to do. I, I wonder what would be a good name for that Sunday school hour. I've, I've played around with that idea before, and I've never really came up with anything that I've found satisfying. Well, there. I mean, that is a complaint I've always gotten from kind of the children students college age groups is like we're in school we don't want school on sunday right, too we've right. got enough school um so yeah if you were able to rebrand it and restyle it yeah because i do think that is a difference between now and when Northside bible started a sunday school class that's true um kind of how you how you set up that hour what it, what is the goal? How much of it is fellowship? How much of it is yeah. sharing? How much of it is Bible study versus a parenting class? I don't know. There's lots yeah. of things you could do in the time. So, um, you know, I I called it. Uh, I remember when I f when I first started here seven years ago. I I uh, I called it what uh, I called it like Sunday series, Sunday sessions. I, I I've messed around with a couple different ideas, but. Um, Nothing really stuck, but that, that's not a bad idea. Branding it toward a, a younger generation of folks who they don't want school. They don't want to come to school. They want to they want to learn about the Lord. They want to learn about the Bible. They want to fellowship with their friends, but they don't. <laughs> Calling it school, you, you're going to you lose them there a little bit. So, um, and, and you're right about the we were talking about small groups. We, we have a small group program here that's dedicated small groups, uh, Northside small groups, and one of the big problems we had with getting those groups even going to at the beginning was people are so busy throughout the week that that they just don't have time to get back here, you know, or or get or, or gather together uh, with kids and everything else going on. It's crazy. So, well, in all seriousness, I do think that there is um, something to that Hamilton Church kind of comparison. Um, if they're really, really engaged in Hamilton, do they go to Hamilton, maybe see it live three times? Right. You know, they, they're, they're doing that once. We're trying to get them to come to church every week. Oh, yeah. And so that event that is the one, this is a huge deal, oh my gosh. Um, I mean, we see that work in church in some ways because with our kickoff Sunday, everybody comes back. Yeah. Like, that's the kickoff. The, there's something Easter, happening. Easter, Christmas Eve, you have right. the big ones, right? So yeah. there's 3,000 people here. Um, but how do we develop that same kind of excitement around the week to week? Like that is just the giant hurdle. I wonder if you don't really want that almost like you don't want that. You do at certain moments at certain times, but you almost want like people to feel 
you want people to feel at home at church. And you don't want a big event happening at home every time you go home, right? You need to have some you ordinary want some relaxation. time. You want some ordinary time, right? Some ordinary time. That's the way to do it, right? <laughs> um, I don't know, Bill. What do you think? What's the what's the when we think about church on Sunday, worship, Sunday school, whatever, whatever's happening here, do we want do we want that feeling of big eventedness, you know, big eventness, or do we want do we want something else? Or I don't know, Sundays are mini Easters, so they should be celebrations, but um, what do you think? <laughs> I served with a staff person in another church where everything was always the next great thing. Uh They were always promoting, it's going to be the best, it's going to be the most wonderful, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And I think at a certain point, you run out of that energy. Yeah. And there's got to be something substantial that drives why people want to come. Yeah. I'm not above guilting people occasionally, (laughs) but the reality is there's got to be something that brings them closer to God and closer to one another for them to want to come and it to become a priority. And sometimes it's for themselves, sometimes it's for their family, sometimes it's for their children. But yeah, I agree, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't always have to be extraordinary and special. It's the ordinary rhythm of life, of living together as a community of faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I don't know. What do you think, Nick? Is that does that do you want the big eventness happening every Sunday? Do you want to be? Do you want more of the kind of ordinary rhythm of life kind of thing going on? Well, I mean, the staff would die if we tried to do a big <laughs> event Sunday every Sunday. You know, um, Sunday, 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 exactly right. And the budget for musicians, my goodness. Um, but uh, so no, there needs to be ordinary time. Yeah, but. Um, at the same time, you want people to want to be here. Yeah. Right? So you want something that's going to draw them here. And hopefully that's the Holy Spirit. Hopefully that's Jesus Christ. But you also want to make them... You want to make it a place where people feel welcome, home, accepted. The place where they get challenged, though, as well. And, and uh, I don't know. I, I, people have been trying to figure this out for 2,000 years, I'm guessing. So uh, we might not solve that today. But Well, I hope Sunday school and worship, worship... And Sunday school is an added thing on Sunday morning that gets people to come to church and be engaged to have yeah. that small group time, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, in addition to worship, that there, there there's more going on than just worship, and so come and participate. Well, and I think that's a big part of uh, small groups, but also of Sunday school, or you know that that hour where people. You know, people really enjoy worship. They they love coming here, you know, and I, I hear people talk about the hymns we sing and the music we sing in, in the contemporary service, and people talk about the sermons, and they get fed, but they don't really interact, right? There's this is a there's not an interaction happening in worship, whereas in Sunday school, you get to see your friends. You get to talk about what happened this week. You get to, you know, learn together and fellowship together, and we crave that. We need that, and that's something that we've desperately been missing, I think over the past 18 months, but really just that's, that's, this is the space for it. And, uh, <laughs> Bill throws me the thumbs up. <laughs> the magic of radio. Yeah, indeed. I want to talk. I want to uh, talk a little bit more, Bill, about the sermon that you preached yesterday. By the way, an amazing word. I think uh, the welcome home idea, the theme of it, all of it, and uh, I really I saw the cover of the bulletin and I was like, oh, 
especially after you dropped the Star Wars New Hope thing. I was like, he should have called this episode four Welcome Home. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that would have been just awesome. That would have been amazing. Um, but uh, you talked about um, this idea of kind of coming home from exile and, and starting to rebuild and not going back. Like things are not going to be the way they were before. Um, and I want to give uh, you an opportunity to expand on that and, and really just to kind of unlock that a little bit more. But also, one, Nick, I want to hear, I know that you were also moved by the sermon yesterday. And I want to hear some, I want to hear a little dialogue uh, about, about what you preached yesterday. Sure. The, the series title is Fixer Upper, Welcome Home. And each episode, we're looking at the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, which are the stories of Israel in waves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> returning back from Babylonian captivity to Jerusalem. The story has intrigued me for years, and I have repeatedly come to it trying to create a series, and it never just felt like the right time. Yeah. And I got tickled looking back. This is literally the third homecoming series I've done now at Northside where I thought we were coming back from the pandemic. <laughs> and every time things have gotten yeah. pushed off as, yeah. as the pandemic has progressed— And I have said to uh, the other clergy as well as others, I have struggled more with this series than anyone I have written in recent history. And even Sunday sermon, I was still scratching out Sunday morning and moving things around. That doesn't sound like you at all. (laughs) No, it doesn't. And I never felt really comfortable with it. But just the whole idea of returning from exile, returning from captivity, for me resonates with what's going on as the pandemic continues. Yeah. I, that that whole image of of the Israelites coming back in waves that's not something I really had thought about before um, because they do they don't all come back at once mm-hmm. they all come back in waves and that's true of of the people that are coming back like uh, to church so we got people who came back as soon as they could and we got people who are still kind of not yet there right um, so people are coming back in waves but it's also true on an individual level like we personally are coming back in waves like we're putting our toe out there in this area and then in this area right so there's this idea that it's a gradual return, but it is a, it is a coming home, and pieces are being built as as we get back. So you know, you built the temple first, and then you build the the city walls or whatever. And we're doing the same thing. We rebuild our worship, and then we rebuild our you know our our Sunday school program, and and then we're getting back into and we're about to build a real home like with the with a Habitat for Humanity, right? So mm-hmm. we're getting back into our missions projects and stuff like that. That idea of coming back in waves, I think, is a pretty powerful image uh, and, and a helpful metaphor for our church and f- as individuals and as a church. Uh, Nick, what did you? I, didn't, I know, like I, said, I heard you say that you were you were really moved by the sermon. I want to hear what was it? What what was it that spoke to you? And and I, I mean, it's, it sounds like in some ways it was kind of that same part that. Um the way you frame the difference between renovation and restoration, restoration and renovation. Um, And the idea that kind of the church has to move forward, that post pandemic, you know, putting back and doing all the same old stuff we were doing before is probably not going to suit the world going forward. Um, And so that idea of God doing something new and this being a renovation, not a restoration just really got me excited. Yeah. Like about what are the new things that we can do? What are the new ways that we need to develop for how to minister in a, I don't, I can't say post COVID <laughs> yet. Um, but in a world that has now been affected by COVID and people are living differently, yeah. you know, we're certainly interacting differently. We've leveraged technology in a different way. Um, 
that that idea of kind of brainstorming around what is next. Very fun place to be. It gets you to a spot where you're thinking outside the box because the box was kind of knocked down, right? And so now, now that we can actually put the box back together, we try to decide whether or not we want to be in the box in the first place, right? So it's a lot of box talk, but uh, you know, the, I, I like that idea. <laughs> I like I like the idea of renovation versus restoration. It kind of reminds me of, and this is at a, probably on a bigger level, but it reminds me of you know resuscitation versus resurrection. Right. When Jesus is resurrected, he's not just brought back from the dead. That's Lazarus is brought back from the dead. Jesus is completely transformed into something new. And I do think that we oh. have we have that opportunity here. Yeah, right? that have been real helpful 36 hours ago, James. Thank you. <laughs> if you worry. had used him three times in the sermon, I think he gets sainted yeah. or something. I think that's probably true. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll hear it again. <laughs> With no attribution. <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. Um, well, you heard it first here. <laughs> Nick, you mentioned um, you mentioned a post-COVID world, or when, now that we're coming out of this and we're talking about renovation, uh, not not um, restoration. not restoration. Uh, or as I like to say, resurrection and not resuscitation. <laughs> <laughs> what does that? Well, that doesn't fit in with the uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines metaphor as well. That's true. That's true. Uh, it's too biblical. <laughs> um, what what is what does that look like for Northside? If you, if the three of us could sit here just for a second and try to vision, let's let's start by asking the question: What have we learned? Like, what are we going to take away from the last eighteen months that that's going to that's going to have on the ground change in the way that we do things at Northside? But then also, what are some of the potentialities going forward? Like, what what are, what are the things that we can kind of see now on the horizon that we couldn't see before? So, what have we learned? Let's start there. The first thing I want to point to is the changes that we have made to the building during the pandemic. Okay. That some people returning may have not seen yet or we've may had, not even we've realize. We've done literal we've done. renovation here at the church. Right. Um, you know, the the youth space on the third floor, um, those classrooms and offices were redesigned to create a new space for the youth to gather for worship um, and new classrooms for Sunday school and uh, to create an area for fellowship as well. Um and that happened during the pandemic, and we may now just be getting people coming back who will see for the first time if they go up to the third floor that it yeah. looks different than it did before. And there's a whole new room up there. There's um, a lot of different new rooms up there. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and then in a smaller way, the parlor got a little yeah. renovation as well. There's a new doorway. Yeah. There's new furniture. Got a new floor. Yeah. You can probably take... Food and drink in there now? I don't know. Is that true? I mean, yeah. This is still like a living room. It always reminded me of grandma's living room where you're not allowed to eat in there, not allowed to sit in there, really not allowed to live in there at all, but that's the living room. Well, so I like to think of it now as more of our modern living room. Okay. Where right. we do occasionally, you know, have food in there <laughs> versus the parlor, even though we call it the parlor. Right, right. They wouldn't let me change that. I love that. I love it. <laughs> I think one of the more obvious changes is moving into a virtual space in the life of the church. Yeah. And the buzzwords in churches these days are virtual congregations or virtual campuses. 
And I think we're all living into the tension of what that's going to look like. Because we've been talking about for the last 30 minutes how good it was to gather together back in person. And we've used a lot of different analogies. It's like watching Hamilton on Disney as opposed to sitting in the Fox. Right, yeah, that's exactly right. Or the Braves on TV as opposed to getting, you know, primo tickets behind home plate. (laughs) Yeah. And... But we've got to say two things at the same time. Yes, there is a value add. There's something that happens that cannot be replicated or duplicated when you're in person. But at the same time, realize we have congregants who cannot at this point or are not willing to at this point come yeah. back in person. Yeah. And with as mobile a congregation as we have at Northside, we have people who are constantly traveling. They're at their second homes. We have people who have joined us from across the state and the region who will never come to Northside. Yeah. But they join us virtually, and they're a part of our greater congregation. So how do you hold those things in tension and say they're both valuable, and yet uh, <laughs> there's something that happens in person? Yeah, that's, um, you know, it's funny. I had, a, I had a guy log into one of our Bible studies from, like, uh, Scotland one time. And he just, he just at some randomly had, had been on the website or something and just got on and, and joined the Bible study. It was really kind of cool. Um, but that, I mean, that's that kind of reach you have with the virtual that you don't have yeah. with the in person. But you do lose something, right? And well, that's I have a hard time with virtual congregation. Is that like an oxymoron? <laughs> like jumbo shrimp? Like I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you be a congregation and be virtual? I don't know. It does raise all kinds of interesting questions about what it looks like and how. You know, flexible and it, adaptable we it, can be. It goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago when we were talking about um, the kind of spirit that, that we have. So, and I, I, I mean this not, not in the terms of the Holy Spirit, but well, just, so give, just human spirit. Give the example you gave about like the sports so game. That's exactly what I was about to do, yeah. right? So, so it goes back to when you go to a, a Georgia game, right, or any kind of big game, a Dallas Cowboy game or wherever, wherever you're going, right, you're going to a big stadium with a lot of people. Like you feel you're excited about going to the game, but once once you step in out there and you see all the people and they're cheering, like there is a a collective spirit that's happening that you're all cheering and you're all rooting for the dogs, or you're rooting for the cowboys, or you're rooting for whoever, right? Um, and and there's this thing that kind of takes over, almost like it 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 fills you up in a way that makes you feel like you're part of the team. You're part of the you're part of the Georgia Bulldogs, right? And you're cheering for them, and you just got this, and you got the chants, you got the hymns that you sing, you know. Basically, it's basically like going to a worship service, right? And when you watch it, when you watch it on TV, you don't have that same feeling, obviously, right? And so you, we were just talking about this, and this is the kind of what it reminds me of. But that doesn't mean you're not going to watch the game, right? If you if you if you yeah. if you're a Bulldogs fan, you're going to watch the game, and what you're going to mm-hmm. do is get as many people you, as you can together to watch that game. It's always more fun to watch it with more people. It is not nearly as acceptable for me to scream at the dogs from my sofa as it is in the stadium. <laughs> well, you got little kids around, man. <laughs> well, I mean. It just gets loud. But yeah, so even though even though you can't go to the game every Saturday, you still watch the game, right? And mm-hmm. so you're still connected in that way. Um, but the tension that you're talking about, Bill, is real. You know, like, what do we do? What do we do with that? Yeah, he got me the other day with that whole conversation about tension. That was just in our meeting, I think, one day. We were talking through the different paradoxes that we try to hold in tension as Christians, and it made me go, you know, he might be a smart man. What paradoxes? What were you talking about? <laughs> Fill us in. 
let me recreate this in my mind. I think we were talking about the variety of theological and sociological issues that are facing the church. That what I'm finding as I get older, more and more, is those things you have to hold in tension. Yeah. It's uh, law and grace. It's faith and works. It's holding people accountable, but also offering forgiveness. Yeah. Truth and love was one. And I, th- for me, I think the human tendency is to release the tension and go one direction or the other. Right. Uh, Paul is, you know, well, works without faith is dead. And James is, well, faith without works is dead. And, right. And not to realize they're both right. And they're both scripture. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that that was... Yeah, that was the crux of it. I think the 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 Paul and James thing, the faith and works, is just a great example because I do think that as humans, it is so much easier for us to reconcile in our own mind and experience. Yeah. Nope, it's just faith. Right. Nope, it's just works. Um, it takes work to hold them in tension. Um, it takes work to hold yeah. being truthful um, or, or telling the truth but also having love for somebody yeah. in tension. It's real easy just to be a jerk that tells the truth all the time. It's real easy to be a doormat that is just constantly loving but never really says what you actually feel or tell somebody something that they need to hear because it might hurt them. You feel like you're doing the loving thing. Um, that, that tension, having to walk that line, is hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what that's what I said. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, it is. That's what I heard, Bill. <laughs> well, dang, I was eloquent. <laughs> tell you what, that Holy Spirit man, he works. Well, you know what yes, it, she does. What it takes. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, <laughs> what we're gonna hold in tension next? <laughs> so, but but what it takes is discernment, right? It takes that that level of of being able to read a situation and read a person and understand. Um, understand what the where the right direction to go is but you're right what we want to do is resolve to one or other or what we want to do is kind of bring them together and and let them kind of con you know uh conflate into one another right so you see we we do this with like the gospels a lot right so the four gospels that we have matthew mark luke and john they don't all tell the same story in the same way right they tell the same story but not in the same way and you have to hold those in tension. You have to hold James and, and, and Paul in tension, right? These kinds of things. I like to say dialogue, right? Because that's, that's kind of my thing. Conversation, right? So there's a conversation happening there. But you have to have both parts of that conversation in order to get the truth out of it. Um, and you're right. That, that is a very hard and difficult thing to do. It takes work. Mm-hmm. Why did you bring up the tension thing in the first place? I don't remember. It was just really smart. <laughs> He sounds so surprised. No, but oh, because we were talking about we were talking about the tension between virtual and there in you person. Go. Yeah. As we look as we look forward, then with with the now we've gotten. I think we've we've gotten really good with doing some of the virtual and digital stuff that we do. This podcast uh, came really, we started before the pandemic, but really came, came into being the way that it is now. Yeah. Um, during the, during the pandemic, we have online worship. We have um, online Bible studies. What, where, what's next? What's the next step in, in using the, these gifts that God has given us, these, these kinds of uh, tools that we have, um, what's next here at Northside? What, what do you guys think? If we could kind of look, look at the horizon for just a second, what do you see? What, what's some potential that we have? 
I wanted to double back. I'm going to address yes, that do. question. Yeah. I want to double back for just a moment because it does. It has struck me as I talk to other clergy and look at other churches. When it comes to the virtual and technical world, it's not an even playing field. Mm-hmm. We are very blessed to be serving in Northside Church, which has an abundance of resources, not only financially, but uh, with staff who are ex- have expertise in technology that none of us sitting right here do. Yeah. We're kind of the New York Yankees in, in the major leagues. We are. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I think what churches are going to have to do, small, medium, and large, is figure out yet again what their, their niche is. Uh, what is God calling you to do in the time and place where you are at? And I think there's—I've served small country churches, and I think they still have a place. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, that they don't have to be able to pull off, uh, you know, an elaborate digital footprint in order to be a ministry for the kingdom of God. Yeah. So I think it's a unique question for every congregation is the starting point I wanted to, yeah. to begin with. Well, it, I like that analogy of us being the Yankees, although I totally dislike the Yankees. But 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 I like the idea that we are the— we are we are truly blessed, which I think really is is a call a responsibility then to use those, those who gifts. Much is right? given, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Much is expected. Um. So so then to double back to to redouble back to the to the other question then, how how do we responsibly use this? I mean, we have been. I think we've been doing a great job, but what do we push forward? Are what do you guys? I mean, it, we may not have an answer to this right now, so it's okay if we don't. But but where are some potential areas that we might be able to expand our our reach uh, in a virtual way? I will say for me, I do not have a definitive plan at this point. For for me, the word emerging, which I'm getting very weary of, (laughs) but that's kind of where I'm at at the moment, that what we're going to be doing in the future is emerging as we try to figure it out. We do have some ideas in terms of mission, in terms of ministry. I think one of the more painful aspects of this, and we've been talking about this for the four and a half years I've been here, is there's some things that need to die. Yeah, there's some things that we have done that are beloved by the church, but they're no longer bearing fruit, and we need to prune them. Yeah, and everybody's all for that. It's kind of like tax, you know, taxes. We're all for cutting all the loopholes and all mm-hmm. those that those rich people get. Just don't touch my right, deduction. Right, yeah, and I, I think we'll find some of that in the church. But we've seen that certainly in our missions program over the last four years. We have focused in on hunger and home, homes. Mm-hmm. And homelessness, and because of that, we have, on a, a magnitude level, been able to do much better, intense ministry that is life changing. Yeah, with strategic ministry partners. Yeah, I think we're also going to see that uh, worship. While we want to continue to promote it on Sunday morning, both online and on site, we're going to have to look at how else do we worship. And I don't know what that looks like, James. Yeah, I, yeah. I always say I could have served very well in the 1950s church. You know, it was kind of a set piece, mm-hmm, a program right. church. I could have done very well in that setting. And sometimes I think God just giggles, you know, when... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You know, you, you, talk, you asked the question, how else do we worship? I know that um, the... The outdoor stuff that we did, you know, Great was, example. Right, it was fantastic. And people really were drawn to that and liked that a lot. And we have such beautiful weather in the evenings here in the fall and in spring, uh, briefly for a couple of weeks. Right. Uh, and we should be, you know, we should be using that. If yeah. we can nail that date down with no rain, yeah, praise right. God. That's the thing, right? Which we managed to do for the last 18 months. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. But yeah, okay. So, so uh, Nick, what about you? What do you see on the horizon or, or have you had any, had any vision for... 
a lot of my ruminations on this have revolved around how do we as a resource resource rich church leverage that to great effect. Yeah. Um, and not in a way, not, not in just writing a check kind of a way. Um, but in really offering our expertise, um, to do ministry in a broader way. Um, whether that is the ministerial staff, the programs, the support staff, that just thinking about those country churches, you know, are there ways to work in partnership with them where we can offer something um, to help them achieve something? You know, is there a place like uh, a year ago when the conference offered a class on how to stream your worship service, you know, where we're doing it and doing it well? Are there ways that we can work in partnership um, as part of the United Methodist Church and yeah. a connectional, you know, denomination to give into that system? Yeah, that's a great, I think that's a great point. A great, uh, Church yeah. of the Resurrection has certainly done that. I mean, they've got their own booming ministry, but they have also seen as part of their mission is to help educate and support other churches in the connection. Yeah, it's like being a church for churches. <laughs> No. The churches come together, and yeah, that, that's a great, that's a great, and we definitely have the ability to to do that, especially here in North Georgia. I would, and here in Atlanta, even, and maybe not even just with Methodist churches. I don't know, you know. I mean, we have a lot of small I mean, churches if, around here. If there's some Nazarene churches, that'll take the hell. <laughs> I think you got to drive like two hours to get to a Nazarene <laughs> church around here. All right, well, we'll just go with Baptist for now, and. <laughs> Uh, Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. I um, I think we had a great conversation. Um, let me, I'm going to give you a chance to say anything you want to say to the the congregation at Northside or whoever else might be listening to this podcast. But do you have a a word that you want to share? I would return to the sermon yesterday, and there was a piece that we're going to really be emphasizing this coming Sunday, and that is holy habits mm. that we have spent the last 18 months cultivating brand new habits in our lives. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad, <laughs> and we need to take a very conscious look at where we are in our spiritual lives and what new holy habits does the Spirit need to cultivate within us. And I think those need, do need to include the no, grow, and go piece of yeah. worship, discipleship, service. Yeah, yeah. And it's a choice we're not only making for ourselves, but especially for those who are parents, we're going to be making it for children and grandchildren and for others. And it's my hope that just as we saw with the Jews when Zerubbabel returned to Jerusalem, that the first priority was rebuilding the altar in the temple. Yeah. And if we can get that right, then I think everything else will fall, fall into place. place. Yeah. And yeah. if we don't, then it doesn't matter how. God what, what else do? Yeah. That's that's fantastic. I think I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. Holy habits. I like that a lot. Nick, do you uh, you have any final words for the people? I don't. I, don't, I can't offer anything. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us this week. Bill, thank you so much for being here. Nick, thank you for being here. You're welcome, James. And we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>